Welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor Podcast. In this podcast, we inspire advisors with ideas and pathways to break through barriers and build a thriving retirement income business. We will interview innovative technology developers, business leaders, and successful advisors, then help you organize and execute these ideas to move your business forward. Hey, this is Jack Martin. I serve the virt- as the virtual CMO for InsureMark, and I want to welcome you to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Today, we've got Diana Cabrisis. I couldn't be more excited to, to get back together with her again. We worked with her a lot in the snappy Kraken days, and she's started carrying her own flag. She's got a, a thriving new business she's going to tell us about, and really more about how elite advisors like yourself can really level up their practice in 2023. Some of the lessons she's learned, some of the things she's seeing, she's right there, you know, in the mix in terms of fintech and uh, wealth management and what's happening with marketing. So couldn't be more excited. Hey, welcome aboard, uh, Diana. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to finally be a guest on your show. <laughs> You've got so many great episodes, so it's an honor to be here. Thank you very much. Um, hey, you know, you just started in January, and I know time flies, and and you've really done a great job, you know, in this financial advisor space of getting on the stage, if you will, literally and figuratively. Tell us a little bit about that, you know, 11-month journey. What's that been like, and what are the lessons you've learned that might might inform our listeners? Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been 11 months. But, uh, you know, a year ago, I had this idea to go out on my own and serve not just one technology company that I think was moving the needle for growth for financial advisors, but maybe two or maybe three and sort of dividing my time. And I thought I was a little crazy. But I looking back, I, I really just leaned into that voice and just said, hey, I'm going to put my confidence hat on right now. And I'm just going to sort of package, productize what I know I'm really good at and see if there's any companies that will bite. Launched January 18th. By January 20th, I had my first client, Wealthbox, in my email inbox saying, hey, we're ready to go. Let's go ahead and get our contract in place. So that was a great indication that you know there was something here. There was something of value. And thinking about the lesson learned there, right? It's sometimes we think as business owners, you know, which can get pretty lonely, we think some of our ideas are a little crazy and out there. But sometimes it's the crazy and out there ideas that actually move the needle for us that actually get us the business that, you know, tell people, hey, this is someone I really want to get behind and in the eyes of an advisor, right, a client. So um, very happy with that launch. And then thinking about the strategies I implemented there as well, Jack, I wanted to kind of make myself available to all technology companies that serve advisors. And you know this, Jack, there are so many categories. But what I probably would have done a little bit differently looking back is maybe niche down a little bit more. And I know we tell advisors this all the time, but I think about who did I really attract It wasn't necessarily who I thought I would, right? I wanted to cast a really wide net. And I have had a lot of conversations, but the ones that actually panned out, looking back, I could have just said, I want to really serve tools in the marketing and growth and sales development category for financial advisors. And I probably would have attracted conversations with more of those technology companies in that category versus the ones that kind of span the gamut that eventually and ultimately we decided for right now, we might not be the best fit. So um, thinking a little bit there, niching down, right? We tell advisors again all the time, it's an effective strategy. I believe that it is. I still had success. And this year has 
has been wildly successful. There's been a lot of engagement, a lot of business. I've really picked up more than ever video. I'm leaning into video as much as possible in my business with social media, with my you know clients' websites, with education for advisors. Video, video, video has been a mover for me. And I think you know when it comes to social media, right? There's a lot of graphics. There's a lot of text. There's a lot of posts. Video is a great way to differentiate, and I think that's helped me a lot this year. No doubt, no doubt. Hey, that you covered a lot. There's a lot to unpack there, but one of the nuggets I want to grab onto is, is the mindset. I know when we we're coaching our our advisors, whether it's you know taking that step to get into marketing as opposed to buying leads, whether it's that step of saying I'm going to get smaller, I'm going to get larger by getting smaller and niche down. You know, there's a, a fear. You know, I'm going to leave something behind. I'm going to miss some opportunity. So talk a little bit about the mindset that an, an advisor needs to have to really dial in and and get bigger by getting smaller. Yeah. So I mentioned it a moment ago, right? Being a business owner can be lonely, even if you have a team, because you are constantly thinking, uh, right, about what is the next move that I need to make or what's so-and-so going to say about this meeting or were they happy with what I provided for them? Like, There's so many doubts, right? There's the imposter syndrome that just floods our brains. And we really need to make space for the right kind of mindset in order to be successful. You know, thinking about mindset, like you can be a positive person in general, you can be a a negative person. It, It really, I think we all sway maybe a little bit closer to one side or the other. But as a business owner, you have to learn to like tune all of that out and just keep you know, straight vision right ahead of you. There's a reason that the front windshield is bigger than the rear, right? Because if you're constantly looking back and thinking, well, maybe I could have done that different, or I don't know if that was, you know, as successful as I would have wanted it to be, just quickly learn from those mistakes and implement new ideas. A lot of what we're doing is implementing new ideas. And I think when it comes to putting yourself out there, right? You have to just have that confidence. You have to talk with conviction. I I presented in front of a bunch of advisors at um, the first ever Advisor Latino Summit about two months ago. And we talked a lot about talking with conviction and being resilient and just like leaning into what your unique is. So for example, for an advisor, like you might be really unique because you're an amazing listener. You're the best listener of a financial advisor that these people will ever come across, right? Or you might be unique because you have an amazing personality. You like to make people laugh. Like these are things you can actually lean into and say, hey, I'm going to be that advisor that actually makes this fun and makes you laugh. That takes mindset. That takes confidence. That takes talking with conviction so that people really buy into your uniqueness. Because again, we're all unique. We have something different to bring to the table. But if we don't lean into that, then we just start blending in with everybody else. And we don't want that. Yeah. The whole differentiation thing. I mean, we're, we're afraid to to look different, right? To stand out yeah. in the crowd. You know, it's yeah. back to our junior high school days, you know? Yeah. Uh, if I didn't get invited to eat lunch at the right table, man, it, it was a bad day. Uh, yep. Or if I didn't have the right sweater on, you know, it was a really bad day. So <laughs> yeah, we're afraid to stand out, but really we need to. Uh, yeah. and, and it's it's what consumers expect. So yep. you talked about the fact that you would have focused and are focused focusing more, I think you said, on the marketing and business development tool set. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about uh, whether advisors should be 
outsourcing what they do or whether they should be staffing up internally? You know, what do, what are their outsourcing options? What, what does outsourcing marketing mean? And mm. is, is it something they should be thinking about? I'm so glad you asked me this question because I think when it comes to outsourcing marketing, it's not that you know, there's this debate, right? Like, oh, don't outsource your marketing. They're not going to do a good job or all your marketing needs to be in-house. I don't think there's one clear answer. What I do think is advisors may not always ask the right questions when they are looking at outsourced options. For example, there are many different tools. The category is only continuing to grow and grow and grow. And as you think about, okay, do I want to partner with this, you know, outsourced marketing company or this smart tech company or this even this agency? Well, ask the right questions. Ask them. Is this going to be relying, for example, on your distribution or is this going to be relying on my distribution, right? Do I need a wait, big... Wait, wait, wait. So what's that mean? Distribution so... meaning your channels, your emails, your social followers. That's okay. your distribution. Gotcha. And you should be putting out content to reach those people. But if that's the only thing you're relying on and there's no other form of the, that outsourced marketing offering, whatever it might be, creating new distribution for you at a you know reasonable rate, if you will, then that might not be what you need if you have a small following or if you have a small email list, right? So that's going back to that question is, is wait a second, is this going to open up new distribution for me? Maybe you're running paid ads, for example, or is this relying on my distribution? And if it is, do I really have enough distribution today to invest all of my marketing dollars, all of my marketing eggs in this one marketing basket? Usually the answer is no, right? Usually the answer is you probably need a combination of tools to help you be successful because most tools are going to specialize in a very specific area of marketing. Maybe it's fundamentals, SEO, blogging, right? Maybe it's email marketing and nurturing your list after you grow that distribution. Maybe it's putting you up front and center on stage at a seminar and you're in front of a whole new crowd of people you have never connected with before. And now you're, again, expanding that distribution. They are all going to have their own specialty. So again, it's not necessarily that outsourcing is not the answer. I think outsourcing is absolutely the answer. I also think you should have someone in-house to help support things. They're close to you and your clients. And there's a lot of content strategy that you get from that. But together, they work as a partner. And if you're asking the right questions, then you have the right outsourcing tools to really fill in all of the gaps in your overall marketing strategy. So again, that's a lot. So so let, let's stop here for a second. So you talked about different strategies. You talked about different distribution channels and so on and so forth. So how does the advisor get the the roadmap, if you will? What's the path? What what should they be looking at? What direction should they be going in? You know, there as you said, there are a myriad of marketing technologies, marketing support services, people, lots yeah. of places to go. So, what what would you tell our advisors today? You know, November twenty twenty three. Here's mm -hmm. where you need to put some attention. Here's mm -hmm. where, here's where, you know, if I were you, if I really wanted to knock it out of the park in Q4 and Q1 24, here's a couple of ideas, you know, yep. think about. It depends on how fast that advisor wants to grow. Most advisors like the the term growth and they, they don't have a, a limitation on how fast they want to grow. But in my 
opinion and based on the clients that I work with and what I've really learned and leaned into, even in just this last year, marketing is always changing very quickly. I think that there's a lot of power in having both a digital strategy and an in-person strategy as well. I don't know what those balloons are, but it ha- it's happened to me a few times on Zoom. We'll just say it's my birthday. It's really not. But I do think, I think Zoom liked what I had to say. Digital and traditional. Here's the thing with digital. We know like 50 to 70% of any buyer's decision is, you know, their their journey, if you will, as they think about, all right, I have this problem, I need a solution. What are my options? Well, 50 to 70% of that entire thought process, they're doing on their own, they're doing research, they're going online, they're looking up, you know, financial advice, coaching, advisors, whatever it might be, maybe they need to roll over an old 401k. And that's exactly what they're typing into Google. Well, if you have some strong digital presence, as I like to say, your digital footprint, and you're there on the top page of the search results, or you know, you've got social media here, here, and here, and all of those are now helping your SEO, then you're gonna get found faster. And there's so many different strategies there we could talk about, Jack, right? Testimonial marketing is powerful. I've really been leaning into that. I think regulatory change drives disruption. And we've seen with the new SEC marketing rule, that is absolutely the case right now. When people read what other people have to say about you as an advisor, it's social proof, but it's also them like story storytelling on your behalf. And storytelling is incredibly powerful for our memories, for clients and prospects to remember us. So having a strong digital presence is very, very important. You should have a website. You should have social media channels. I would argue beyond that, like get yourself listed on an advisor directory. Make sure you have testimonials spotlighted in a compliant way. And no, asking your clients to leave a review on Google and then promoting those reviews outwardly is actually not compliant because they don't contain the necessary disclosures. We could talk a whole lot more about that, but that's digital, right? And so that I would say is probably your most important foundation marketing strategy as an advisor. In person, and I'll keep this short and sweet, thinking about like, what can I do in my local community to actually go out and reach people? I know this sounds old school and a lot of people say seminars are dead, but seminars are really not dead. They've actually made quite the comeback. And if you think about it, getting in a room, shaking hands with people, educating them on a topic, maybe it's estate planning, for example, you don't get more humanized than that. Like there's no way to warm up a lead faster than shaking their hand and being in a room with them and showing them who you really are. So I'm not saying every advisor needs to do seminars, but I am saying there's a nice balance there. And if I were an advisor putting my hat on, I would want to strike a bit of a balance for those in my marketing. Good tips. Good tips. So you're saying do digital do in-person or a more humanized approach. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And so now if I've made that strategic decision, then what should I expect in terms of budgeting, in terms of people, you know, what, what's my checklist look like as I start to interview outsourced options for that? What are the things I need to be thinking about in that case? Yeah. Well, you should be thinking about your overall marketing budget, right? I mean, you should be looking at, you know, I think some of the top growth firms, and you probably know this better than I do, Jack, spend about 20% of their revenue on marketing, right? That they're putting that aside for marketing. And so when you think about, okay, if I want to blend of digital and I want a little bit of in-person, well, how much budget do I really want to allocate to both? You know, digital can be 
it, it can be expensive to get going. It can also be really cheap to get going. There's not like one perfect model when getting started with digital. Building a website could cost you $5,000. You know, getting a couple social media profiles up and running, that can that's obviously free. Hiring somebody to maybe help you get some content out, that might have a cost associated with it as well. Asking your clients to leave you review, that's absolutely free, right? So you really have to just think about, all right, what exactly do I want to do here? How much budget am I going to allocate? And then what's remaining for in-person? I would probably take that approach, Jack, is start digital, and then move along to, okay, what's remaining now in person? Because as you go out and do in-person things, it could even be as simple as a client event, Jack, right? Where people are bringing a friend and now you're meeting prospects. As you go out and do that, guess what those people are going to do after they meet you? They're going to go look up your name on Google. They're going to go figure out, all right, is this person incredible? What, you know, what's their digital street cred look like, if you will? And if you don't have an invested digital strategy, well, maybe you don't have enough substance, as I like to say, to give them to help them build that trust with you. So it's like chicken or the egg, What, which one's coming first? Are they looking for me first and then meeting me in person or vice versa? There's no true real answer. But if I were putting my advisor hat on and thinking about maybe 20% of my revenue allocating, I would start with digital and then I would go to in-person. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. Uh, you know, if you think about, uh, w- we talk about a growth framework. You know, what mm-hmm. do you have in place from to, to to turn leads into prospects, prospects into meetings, meetings into clients, and clients into evangelists, right? And yeah. so, if you're going to go through that process, you're right. I mean, if I attract leads, now what? Okay, yeah. it's kind of like I got the bear in the cabin. Now, how do I skin it? Right. So yeah. uh, it, it's it, it you, you got to figure make sure that you got that whole framework worked out so that, like you said, d- social proof. What's your digital footprint? You know, are are you legit? And mm-hmm. once they know you're legit, then they might be willing to engage, you know, at an advice level. And I know we talk a lot about advice engagement these days. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's hugely powerful because of the way that it, it's it's designed to address problems. And I, and I mm-hmm. think a lot of advisors are still thinking about selling their service. You know, I sell my fiduciary ser- holistic planning service as opposed to solving problems. So yes. what, what are you seeing out there that advisors are doing in that vein uh, that's working for them? Yeah, man, there are so many advisors this year that I've come across that I had never been connected with before, but I've been very inspired by a lot of their strategy. You know, we talked about it, right? Having a niche really is effective. Now, some people argue that it'll cap, right? Oh, well, you get to a certain point and you cap and then you can't grow anymore. But I think every advisor is different. Some advisors may not really want to run and grow some enterprise firm. They, they really just want a lifestyle firm. They're happy with their clients and that's their life. And that, that's wonderful. Diana, what are you seeing when it comes to uh, advisors being more problem solvers as opposed to product sellers. And I I know Mm -hmm. wealth managers don't think they're product sellers, but when you hear them say, I'm a fiduciary and I do holistic planning, that really is a service you're selling. What is the problem solver? and, And I believe that's where the growth is in our space, is in problem solving. So what are you seeing? I 100% agree. I'm seeing more and more advisors. There's like this, there's this wave, if you will, of even younger advisors, but I am seeing advisors more and more 
the content that they're putting out into the world online is answering very specific questions, right? So again, going back to my example, have an old 401k, how to roll over it. Here's my response to this. Or do you run a business and you're so like, you have no idea what you should be doing with your taxes right now? Or, you know, are you a divorcee, right? And you had some accounts that you need support navigating through as you make a split from someone you were with for so long, where all of your accounts were joint. These are all problems and advisors creating good content. And where I've seen some success, I'll just give a quick shout out to somebody named Thomas Kopelman. He's an advisor. You might've heard of him, Jack. He is killing it. He is killing it. He is killing it. Uh, I I talked to him the other day and he is booked up for the rest of this year and through most of Q1 already. Uh, And he said, I've got a few slots left is the way he positioned himself, which is insane, right? Yeah. Every advisor's dream, right? That's what every advisor wants. Well, what's he doing? Well, every single day he's got YouTube and he's got Twitter and he's putting out answers to problems that he knows his very specific niche, small business owners, millennials, right? They have these problems. So you're, you're spot on with problem solving. Gotcha. So, all right. So I'm an advisor. I'm thinking about problem solving. So I'm thinking about taxes. I'm thinking about longevity risk. I'm thinking about healthcare expenses and uh, all those kinds of concerns that are on people's minds, right? And so I'm building some kind of advice engagement proposition around that to address those problems. And so now I start to build out my framework. I've got my, uh, you know, lead to conversion tool, you know, at the top of my website or SEO, I've got my digital footprint. So then what? Hmm. Now, now that I've got a prospect and we're having a meeting, yeah. uh, okay. And so what are you seeing that advisors are doing in order to, to, to get it across the goal line, right? I hear mm-hmm. a lot of advisors who say, you know, really cool. I had 125 buying units show up on my webinar about social security planning. And I got four clients out of that. I'm going, that's not a great closing ratio. <laughs> so what, what, what are you seeing? So, man, I was just on the Advice Tech Live conference a week ago where we got to watch. I had to watch over 10 fintech demos in the category, and I learned so much. And I will say there are multiple tools available today for advisors. You know, we're seeing this like shift into this sales enablement category very much being a term that's all about empowering advisors to be better sellers. And what's happening is now they're they're really bringing the prospect more into the co-creation process. So here's the problem that you have. We're going to co-create together. Let me ask you questions. Uh, these are not just, you know, hey, what are you... I don't even know here, but like, hey, what problems do you know you have? Yes, everybody knows they have problems. But thinking beyond that, what are your values? You know, what's important to you? How would you prioritize this set of, you know, characteristics in your life? How would you prioritize family to career, to life, to money, to savings? Like what is most important to you? Taking all of that EQ, right? This is not just IQ anymore. Now we're really leaning into the emotional side of being an advisor, being that financial therapist, if you will, which might scare a lot of advisors and, and for good reason. You were never, you know, set out to be a financial therapist, but now there's so much tools and information and behavioral finance that we're seeing sort of make its way into the space to make you better and to have a better closing ratio. So I also think visuals are becoming a a big part of successful advisors who are converting at a good rate with their prospects. Why? Because financial topics 
information, education, it's complex, right? It gets complex. And sometimes it's really hard for people to think through and and feel that you really are going to solve their problem when they cannot see anything physically. 60% of us are visual learners, Jack. So being able to see, you know, the complexities of an Irma or, you know, a 401k rollover or a backdoor, right? What's happening? What's step one to step two? Having that confidence in your advisor or potential advisor is so, so crucial. Advisors that are having success with advice engagement, they're incorporating all of these things. Gotcha. I was snickering a little bit because sales enablement has been an area that our firm has been engaged in helping other firms do for a while. And the technological advancements are huge, Uh, you know, and, and being able to understand and not see any thing drop through the cracks and think about the fact that some of these processes have a little bit of a long tail. You know, yeah. we, we like to think that things, you know, if I see you today and I talk to you on Monday, you know, you're a client on Wednesday and, you, you know, maybe not so much, you yeah. know, <laughs> maybe it takes a minute. This has been awesome. So what, any, anything in parting you, you wanted to, sh- you would like to share with our advisors, yeah. anything we missed? I would love to share something with your advisors because, you know, advisors are of all ages, right? We've got young advisors entering the space, breakaway advisors, middle-aged advisors, advisors who probably could retire but never really want to. And I want to give, I guess I would, in parting, would want to share a little bit of the millennial perspective, right? Because we know there's this great wealth transfer. We know how much assets, businesses, right, are transferring hands from, you know, boomers to millennials and beyond. And I just want to share like one thing you really have to consider is we're a different breed, right? We do a lot of research. We grew up on the computer. So we're actually judging trusted base professionals that we may want to partner with and we know we need their help. We're judging them. We're judging what their digital presence looks like. We're judging if they have any videos online or not. And if they don't, maybe I don't really want to reach out because why doesn't he have any videos online? Like it's 2023, right? So in a way, you know, I know in today's world, a lot of us are focusing on serving the clients that we currently have, but we absolutely need to shift and start thinking about how do I reach the clients I know I will need to acquire in the future and the children of my current clients. And again, we grew up on the internet. We are judging online. It doesn't have to be judging in a bad sense, but we want to make sure you have that digital street cred. I cannot stress that enough. So if you haven't already expanded your digital strategy for the 2024 and beyond, I highly implore you to do it. Take it on. There's some easy tools out there to help you do it. Jack, I know you're a huge resource for all of your advisors. And just, again, putting uh, the lens of the millennial into the conversation here, I can't stress it enough. So that's a great point. One of the one of the the engagements we've had was in in helping four hundred one k participants start the conversation about decumulation. Okay, and and so the speaking of judgment, there, there's a lot of judgment built into that process. The whole "Do I have enough?" question evokes a lot of shame. I, yeah. I literally have been in study groups and and looked through the glass at people who were being interviewed who would say who were asked about where they were in terms of retirement. Who would say, "I don't want to talk about that. I don't feel like I'm in a good place on that." And so, yeah. as you start to think about content and you start to think about having conversations and getting people engaged in a conversation, we need to be super sensitive to trying to judge them 
And so, you know, what's your number? Do you want to buy a vineyard? Those are all loaded concepts that cause yes. people to disengage. And there is a huge segment of the population, by by some estimates, as many as 75% of planned participants don't have a clue what to do with their decumulation, but they're being barraged with mm -hmm. analytics, with reports, with comparisons, with charts, you know, what's your number? How do you compare? And that is absolutely the wrong direction. So as you think about the things Diana is saying, make sure that your content doesn't evoke that, you know, take them at face value. And and the, the, the word you used earlier was collaborative. And that, that's a hugely powerful concept. If you're saying, Let, let's come together and figure out what works for you. You know, I'm not prejudging. I don't have, you know, a hard and fast set of rules or prescriptions. You know, let's find something that works for you. I think if you're more open in that context, that that's what the human side of, of advice engagement is, I think. And, and I know for sure that if we're not doing that, that we're we're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. So but couldn't great, agree more. Great session. Thank you very much. This is Jack Martin on behalf of the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Thank you all very much, Diana. Thank you. Super job again. Really appreciate all that you do for the space, for women, for Latinas, and for what you're doing in wealth tech. You're doing an awesome job. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.